period. Uh, we we kind of introduced the subject last week of um, forgiveness. And so tonight I will get into lesson one of forgiveness. This will probably be four, five, six, seven lessons in forgiveness. Forgiveness, if you will take it in, will change your life. It certainly will. As I've been saying, it's important that we examine our life and say, can I say I've grown in the past week in Christ? Can I say I've grown in Christ in the past two weeks or the past month? And if you can't say that, then you have to make the determination that I have to do something. If I always do what I always did, I will get what I've always got. And so I have to make, all of us have to look at our life and says, I need to make a change. Something has to happen in my life. And sometimes there is no movement because of unforgiveness working in your life. That's one of the things that will stop you from moving forward. And you will work hard and try hard and you will put a lot of work in and you won't see any movements because unforgiveness is in your life. So I'm going to start tonight's lesson by saying this. Dr. David Simand, or Simand, in his book, Healing for Damaged Emotions, it says this. The two primary causes of emotional stress are the failure to forgive and the failure to, to receive forgiveness. The two primary causes of emotional stress are, number one, the failure to forgive. Number two, the failure to receive forgiveness. So you have done something to hurt someone and or vice versa, someone has done something to hurt you. You didn't receive the forgiveness that they asked you for. Or you never went and forgave somebody for doing something to you. And because you didn't do either of those things, you may be suffering emotional stress. Your mind may be not stable. You can't be at peace. Unforgiveness turns to bitterness, which produces hatred, depression, and disease. So when you don't forgive or you don't receive forgiveness, that can turn into bitterness, which produces hatred and depression and disease. So you've heard it said that sometimes stress causes to be sick, but you know how it works. So the stress that you're probably under is due to unforgiveness. So you're saying, oh, I'm just stressed out. Why are you stressed out? Is Jesus your king? Does Jesus love you? Is he the all-sufficient God? Are you the apple of his eye? Is his eyes on you all the time? So what are you stressed out about? So if we're stressed out, it could just be unforgiveness is working in our life. And because we didn't forgive or didn't receive forgiveness, 
bitterness came up in our heart. And that bitterness produced hatred and depression. And now it becomes physical. And so you have some physical sickness and you're wondering, why do I have this physical sickness? And it might just had come from not receiving or giving unforgiveness. Forgiveness is really such a basic Christian principle. It's a principle that we have heard about before. But I have found that some things we need to hear over and over again. So we've heard about forgiveness throughout If you've been in church for any little bit of time, or maybe if you haven't been in church, you've heard about forgiveness. But forgiveness is something that needs to be talked about a whole lot. I think the last time I talked about, preached about, taught about forgiveness was in 2014, maybe, maybe 2015, somewhere around there. So I'm bringing it back. Repetition of some things is good, isn't it? That's why I like to go to Starbucks every day. <laughs> Wasn't really talking about Starbucks. I believe that forgiveness is the greatest evangelistic method that is available to the church today. There are all kinds of tools and programs out there, and they are all good. But it is forgiveness, true biblical forgiveness That will produce the greatest results. True biblical forgiveness is showing the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. True biblical forgiveness points to the great act of forgiveness at Calvary. We need to really understand what true forgiveness is all about. This lesson is very in-depth. And you will see how many different angles that we need to come at this subject to get clarity, to understand it, and and be able to, 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 to live it out in our life. We have to understand it from every angle. Because as humans, I think what we do a lot of times, <laughs> our sinful nature, our fallen nature always calls us To look for a better angle, better what we think, a better angle than what things appear to be. So no matter what you hear or what you're taught, somehow this fallen nature tend to get us to start to try to figure out a a, a angle that's much easier. And so we don't realize it, but we've done that a lot with the Word of God, where we read God's Word or we hear God's Word preach, and we try to look for an angle that make it a little bit more convenient or an angle that makes it a little bit easier for me. God knows all the angles. You don't have any angles that God don't know about. And if he wanted it to be that angle, that's what he would have given you. But what he gives you is what he wants you to have. Don't look for another angle. We're going to share some passages of scriptures here. Four passages of scriptures I'm going to share with you. And I want you to try to find the angle around these passages of scriptures. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6 verse 14 and 15. For if you or... 
if you want to be very technical, if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. I don't know if you got an angle in that one. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. That's clear. There's no angle. I don't even think we need any more scriptures after that one. It says that if we forgive people whatever they've done wrong to us, then God will forgive us for whatever wrong we've done. But if we don't forgive people for any wrong they've done to us, then God cannot forgive us for any wrong we've done. Now, the only way out of that one is this. Here's the only way out of that one. Here's the only angle to that. You could never do wrong. Because if you never do wrong, then you don't need God to forgive you for anything. Now, let me know which human being is walking that never did wrong. Remember Jesus said, the Almighty God says, I sought for a man to stand in the gap. This is why God had to become man. Because not one of us walking the earth then and walking the earth now was good enough to represent us. Because all of us had did the same thing. We had all done wrong. We'd all sinned. So none of us that had walked the earth before, walking the earth today, that will walk the earth, is doing that without doing wrong. So it means... That if we don't forgive people, God can't forgive us. So the question is, if you're holding something against someone and you never forgive them, your prayers have been in vain. And you're wondering why God is not hearing me. You're wondering why God is not working on my behalf. Well, you're holding something against someone. And you can have a nice, good prayer. And you can even feel the move of the Spirit in your life. See, we can't worry about did the Spirit move in our life or the Spirit didn't. The Spirit can move in your life because the Bible says God reigned on the, on the just and the unjust alike. So you can get among the people of God that God has rained down in blessing on. And you just happen to be in the midst and you feel the same thing they're feeling. It don't mean you still don't need to forgive someone. And I think sometimes we misunderstand that, that we can come to church, Mama Allen, and we can worship God, and we can feel the presence of God, and the power of God move, and we say, wow, wasn't God in that house? Wow, didn't God do something great this morning? Yeah, but he never responded to your prayers because you have not forgiven someone that you need to forgive. So you might have felt like, okay, we had a good service, so God is on my side and he's listening to me. No, he's not listening to you. He's saying you need to go forgive so-and-so. That's what you need to do. So that's one passage of scripture there. I tell you what, as we going along tonight, and you need to raise your hand because you have a question, we can do that. Maybe Brother Tom can put out a mic and so we can get it all, capture it all recorded um, our brother Scarlett, <laughs> uh, we can capture it if we need to. 
when you ask a question. But if you need to ask a question, this subject is too important for me not to allow you to ask the question. And maybe you can ask a question someone else was thinking about. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 2. The scripture says in verse number 2, For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure you make, it shall be measured to you again. So let me say that practically for you. For whatever way you judge people, God will judge you. So we have a tendency to judge people on the things that we don't do that we see them do. You think you escaped it. So you're a liar, but that person's a thief. And so how you do is you saw them stole something. I just don't understand. That's our thing. I just don't understand how people can just steal like that. You know why you're saying it that way? Because you don't steal. I just can't understand it. I mean, they're not, they, they have the money. Why can't they just buy it? Why do they have to steal it? You're judging them. And you're a liar. And so here now, you're going to get judged when you lie. And you're going to get judged in the harsh way that you just judge that person. Because we normally judge people harshly when it's the things that we don't do. If it's not a thing that we do, oh man, they get harsh judgment from you. But if it's a thing you do, you know what you say? Well, you know, you got to understand. Why is it you got to understand? Because it's something you do. But when it's not something you do, it's nothing about that. Interesting. And so the scripture is saying, however you judge people, that's how you will be judged. And the rule that you use to judge them by, same rule you will be judged by. And however merciful you are in you judging someone will depend on how merciful God will be when he's judging you. That's what Matthew 7 and 2 is saying. Matthew 18, 35. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. If ye from your heart forgive not everyone his brother, everyone his brother their trespasses. Let me read that again. Matthew 7 and 2. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And what measure you make, it shall be measured to you again. So we got to make sure we know what we're doing when we judge people. That's why here's something tricky that you don't realize. You can judge. You know, people like, people like to say, you can't judge me. Sure you can. But just understand, however you judge them, you're going to be judged. <laughs> you can judge. Go ahead. Now, what God really expects when we judge is to let the Spirit of God judge. Because it's him. He's true. So if you really want to judge and judge properly, you need to let the spirit judge. And anything unbalanced 
or unjust come in, come out of you when you claim the spirit is judging, you're lying on the spirit. Lying. Because God's judgment and ours is different. What am I trying to tell you? It's probably best if you don't judge. Because how you judge will never be legit. And you're going to be judged that way, the way you judged. And unless the Holy Spirit, I'll give you a good Holy Spirit one. Man, this is good. Woof, this is good. This is how I know how it works. So I remember years ago. I mean, these people, I love them dearly. And we're still close to the day. But I remember that this, there was a couple that was going to get married. And one day, for some reason, the Spirit of the Lord showed me that they were a little more intimate than they should be because they weren't married yet. I said, oh, Lord, what is that all about? And so I was able to run into them after church, and I hugged them both and gave them a smile. And I said, you guys all right? You know, you shouldn't be doing anything you shouldn't be doing until that day. Just hurry up and get it done. That was the Holy Spirit because that's just how good God is. That had nothing to do with me. He just happened to use me to do that. But you see the difference. They were not in a good place and the Lord wanted them to know you're not in a good place. I'm pointing it out. Stay on your P's and Q's. You're going to get married in a second. He didn't make me do it harshly. He didn't make me judge them and be mean and be harsh. And I believe that day drew me and those people closer together until this day. Tight like this. They married now. Big family. Everything is all good. But I'm showing you the difference between when you get involved and when God is doing it. <laughs> Mark eleven twenty five through 26. And when you stand praying, <laughs> forgive. If ye have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. So here's the deal. You come to the altar. You stand and you're praying. And you're praying up a storm. But you had ought against someone. Unfortunately, God is not hearing you. Well, let me say it this way. He's hearing you. He's not listening to you. What they said. It's one thing to hear is another thing to listen. Right? So if, if you have ought against someone and you try to stand before the Lord and pray, the Lord say, I love you, my child, but I cannot listen to you until you go make it right with that person you have ought against. So that's what we got to do. And plenty of people are in churches on Sundays looking for something, wanting to feel better, wanting to see a situation get better. But because they have ought, because they didn't forgive someone, before, because they didn't allow someone to ask for forgiveness, they didn't accept it, they're all messed up. Now these verses of scriptures are pretty clear, wouldn't we say? There is not very much wiggle room at all to be found in those scriptures. In fact, there is no wiggle room. 
I don't think I really like these scriptures <laughs> because there's no wiggle room. We like scriptures that give us wiggle room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think maybe God isn't aware of just how terrible. This is how we think. Because I think God is not aware how terrible brother so-and-so is. I just can't forgive him right now. We treat God like he doesn't know what's going on. So when you do what you shouldn't do, what God say you must not do, somehow you justify it like God don't understand. Now, if he didn't come in flesh, maybe you had a, a, a little case. It's a little case. If he didn't come in flesh. But brothers and sisters, he came in flesh. So you can't tell him he don't understand. You can't tell him he don't know what's going on. You know, I don't know why I've been on this, this, this thought for this long. And the thought that I've been on for a long time, past few weeks, is that Judas walked with Jesus for three and a half years. And Jesus knew he was a thief and never said one word to him about being a thief. <laughs> but we hold grudges. We got issues with people. This was his treasurer. Three and a half years walking with him, stealing the money, and the Lord never said, why are you taking the money? He didn't, he didn't say that. You guys don't understand. Sister so-and-so, hmm, she is something else. Let me throw this out real quick because church folk, you know, we don't understand. You're a good person to use because this is so not you. If you are just a troublemaker or you just always have issues and whatever you are and you get on my nerves and every time you do something, I snap back at you. It's something about me. Don't come telling me about Bob. Ah, two amens. Because we don't like that. Somebody act up on you in church and you want to snap back. Well, if you snap back, you know what it says? You're not ready. Go back to the altar and go pray some more. You're not ready if you need to snap back. But if they act up on you and you can handle it in godly ways and in love, then possible that person might realize I'm the one that need to get myself together. <laughs> they might just realize that they need to get together when they act a fool and you just hey sis, I didn't mean anything by it. Sorry if I made you upset or anything like that. They'll probably sit back and say man. <laughs> Romans 12 and 19 says, dearly beloved Ooh, ready for this one? Avenge not yourselves. You know what avenge means or revenge? It means to take satisfied actions or action to straighten out a situation that has happened to you. That's, that's what revenge means. It means you have decided... I am going to take the necessary action I want to take 
to straighten it out. Because that's what satisfies me. Can I tell you a secret? Living in this world. To be a good citizen. It means you don't take nothing in no, no situation. You don't take in your own hands. You're supposed to obey the laws. I'm not talking about Christian now. I'm talking about if you're going to be a abiding citizen in this country, it means you obey the law. If you're going to be a good citizen. The law dictates what the outcomes of things should be. That's why we have laws. So, as a citizen, the law dictates what the outcome should be if something happens to you. And now, in the kingdom of God, God decides what the outcome should be. Tell me when you have time to take it in your own hands. Tell me when. Tell me when you can say, well, I got to straighten this. When? If it's the law, if it's if it's in the world, you're not a Christian and you're just dealing with the laws of the land, the law is supposed to work it out. The courts, the cops, the whatever, those are the people who enforce the law. So they work it out when you are going by what's going on in the world. But if you're a Christian, Jesus said, avenge not yourselves. He is the one that's supposed to handle it. So when you handling it, go ahead, baby, handle it. Because whatever you do to handle it, that's your reward. And you can't get the Lord's reward. You get your reward. And I'm just going to go as far as to say this. Because we all have that sin nature, my reward is probably not going to be good long term. So dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. What does that mean? Rather give place unto wrath. If you're not supposed to avenge yourself, it means leave the opportunity to the Lord to decide how he's going to deal with that person. When you leave that opportunity, here we go, here we go. We leave the opportunity for God to deal with that person and we're looking for something big to happen and nothing big happens. What do you do? Oh, God. We wait for, we wait for God to handle it. And we can't see anything. God is all-knowing. And God knows why that person did what they did to you. And whether it's right or wrong, God knows the measure of punishment they need to receive. Go back to the court system. You're not a Christian. When you stand before the judge, the law book says, I have the lead way to determine how much punishment you're supposed to receive. So again, whichever angle we're taking, it's still not up to us to determine what people are supposed to receive. They deserve this. They deserve that. Okay. How do you know that? You're working without Jesus, baby. But rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance or vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. We can't handle that. God says he will repay. So when you got to pay somebody back, oh, you're so out of the will of God. Oh, you're so on the wrong side when you pay somebody back. 
All you did was hurt yourself when you pay somebody back because you're doing wrong and you got to reap what you sow. So we just we just can't get out of it. You just have to let God be God in your life. Therefore, if any, therefore, if thine enemy hunger, he didn't say if your friend or your neighbor hunger. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. (laughs) If he thirsts, give him to drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Here's what you're doing. Here's what you're doing. There are some states, I don't know, that the law says you can um, claim self-defense. Right? There, there, there are some states that says you can claim self-defense. So if two people get into it, one is trying to hurt the other, we can claim, I was trying to defend myself. And the ruling probably won't be so harsh. But if you attack someone and they're not defending themselves, what's the ruling on that? The judgment is harsh or more harsh. So if someone is doing something to you to offend you and you don't avenge yourself, you don't do anything back to them, it means the judgment that God will lay upon them or the, 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 the way God will deal with them is going to be a lot worse. But if you insert how you want to do it, it lessens how he will deal with them. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, help us. We don't realize how twisted we are and how we approach life without the Lord. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. The Bible says where sin abound, grace abound that much more. So where evil and chaos and all the ungodliness is happening, God is right in the midst of that trying to show grace. And we know this. As evil and depraved as our world may be now, the day is coming when our God will show up with all goodness. And show forth his goodness. So, so you never have a justified reason to come against people with evil because they did something to you. Because even God himself, as evil this world is, they deserve to be just overthrown. And he won't do that. Forgiveness doesn't make the other person right. Some of us don't forgive because we think it makes us look guilty. Forgiveness doesn't make the other person right. It just makes you free. <laughs> See, we, we have to understand how God is trying to help us and, and the way he's teaching us. For, because you go and say, Sister Heidi, please forgive me because I offended you. I saw that when I said so and so, it offended you because I saw the look on it. I am so, so sorry. Please forgive me. That don't make make you right, because maybe Sister Heidi had just did something to you. And, and you know, you just kind of said something. Nothing wrong with asking for forgiveness, because it makes you free. 
How many times should we forgive? Is there a limit on forgiveness? And we know in Matthew 18, 21 through 22, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Question mark. Till seven times? Question mark. Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven, which is 490 times. So Jesus is saying we ought to forgive someone 490 times in a day or 490 times for one thing they've done wrong to you. 490 times. I'm tired. They just, they just can't get it together. And so my response to that is, what if Jesus decided to be tired of you always coming to him saying, Lord, forgive me? Huh? For as much as we do wrong, what if one day you come to repent and the Lord says, not today. I mean, you have been coming every single day, twice a day sometimes. Asking for forgiveness for the same. No, no, no. I'm done. I'm done. Can you imagine? We'll be in a whole heap of trouble. Jesus forgave on the cross and he came up from the grave still forgiven. If I was Jesus, after I came up from the grave, I'm like, enough is enough. I'm done. You all, I, I created you, you crucified me. No, no more forgiveness. Done. Offenses. Offenses. Someone wounds you or offended you. They said something that hurt you. They did something that hurt you. They didn't say something that hurt you. They didn't do something that hurt you. That's called an offense. That's called an offense. What we have been taught to do from childhood is isolate them from our hearts when they offend us. That's what we've been taught. Oh, they hurt you? Isolate them. Put bubbles around you so they never hurt you again. They'll never do that to me again. And so we set up parameters so they can never hurt me again. Hmm. The offense that somebody bring against you in Jesus' eyes is the greatest obstacle to brotherly love that there is. It is true biblical forgiveness that will build a bridge between the two to allow fellowship again. So that offense creates the sanction in brother and sisterly love. But that same offense is the thing that will bring us together when we handle it the right way. So Offense could be looked at as bad, but I can look at it as good as well. Because it's an opportunity 
to cause you to examine to see what kind of relationship you have with Jesus. That's the hard stuff, huh? That, that's the tough one. Oh, yeah. Offense will help you to know where am I with the Lord? Because if you can't forgive someone for what they've done against you, then you're not in a good place with the Lord. But if you can, and not with your lips only, with your heart, man, with your heart. Matthew 18 and 7 says, Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must need be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Offense is going to come no matter what. So what you have to start thinking about is, how do I handle offenses? Because it has everything to do with your relationship with the Lord. Offenses are necessary. It must need be. The offense is the greatest obstacle there is to restoring fellowship, but it is also the greatest opportunity for victory. Calvary was the most horrible event in history. But it was also the greatest and most wonderful event in history at the same time. That's how we need to look at offense. So think of Calvary, what they did to our Savior. But if they didn't do that to him, we couldn't be saved. So look at it this way, which is difficult for us to look at it. If you've never been offended, it won't give you the opportunity to see if you're really saved. How do you know you're saved? Yeah, you've been born again, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I go to church. I say, praise the Lord. I read my Bible. How do you know you're saved? Because there are people that's doing that that's not saved. So how do you know you're saved? It's going to be when some offense come your way, do you act like your heavenly father? Because what we're trying to measure up to is Jesus. How did he handle offense? And if I can handle offenses like he did, then I'll feel pretty good about where I am in my walk with God. If I handle offenses the way he handled them. There's a lot of religious people. But we better make sure we're saved. And how we're going to know that is when we get offended. How do you handle offense? Who was it that had the greatest impact in the New Testament besides Jesus? Most of us think the Apostle Paul. But it could have been Stephen. Because Paul was there when they stoned Stephen. Stephen was the one that says, hold this not to their charge, Lord. So what if Stephen would have said when he was dying? Lord, let them pay. There wouldn't have been no Paul. 
What if Jesus would have said, I can't do this. Their sin is just too much. It wouldn't have been no us. Forgiveness has brought us to this place. And it shouldn't be so difficult for us to give up, to forgive others. I'm teaching this in this time because a lot of emotions transpires around the Christmas season. Lot, lot, all different kinds of emotions that we can't even imagine. Some people are just really happy. Some people are lonely. Some people are disappointed. Some people are devastated. Some people are just hurting. All kind of emotion is flowing during this time. And I wanted you to be in a good place. Bringing the new year in a good place. Where you feel free because you forgive or you forgave. And if someone came to you to ask forgiveness, you was easily, freely accepting it. Yes, I forgive you. It will keep you in the right frame of mind throughout the Christmas season and into the new year. I'm almost done. Two situations where you need to ask for forgiveness. You do someone wrong. Someone does you wrong. And you respond correctly. And you don't respond correctly. So two, two situations where you need to ask for forgiveness. You do something or someone wrong. Someone does you wrong and you don't respond correctly. It's clear oftentimes when you do someone wrong to know I need to go and ask for forgiveness. But what normally is not clear to us is when someone does us wrong and we respond incorrectly. That's a big one because we feel like we have the right to respond a certain way when someone has done, has done you wrong. And that's where you're wrong because the Lord says, vengeance is mine. The Lord said, I will fight your battle. The Lord said, love your neighbor. The Lord said, feed your enemy, right? He says, give your enemy to drink. Give your enemy if they hunger. So I don't know what would be a good reason if God has told, it, told us all of that. I don't know what would be a good reason for us to say, why wow, we respond incorrectly, mean, disrespectful. We, we respond in, in a sinful way, said something derogatory to someone, we respond that way. I don't know what will cause us to respond that way when God say, I have everything taken care of. You don't need to do one thing. Just show love. The reason for this class, there's two reasons for this class on biblical forgiveness. When you offend someone, you will know how to take care of it. That's the first reason for this class. When you offend someone, you will know how to take care of it. If you are in God, if you have the Holy Spirit, don't lie to yourself and act like you don't offend someone. I can go with the natural. We know each other pretty good. And for some people, when you hurt them, they get quiet. For some people, when you hurt them, they lash out. 
The bottom line is, you know when you do something wrong to someone. Don't walk around and act like you don't know. I can't believe they got upset over that. That's not your business to worry about. If you hurt them, make it right. Because that's what we do. How could they have gotten upset about that? I didn't even say it this way. I didn't even. Now you're getting into the nuance of things when we're just dealing big picture here. If you know they're hurt by what you just said, if you know they're hurt by what you just did, it doesn't matter what you think. If they should or they shouldn't, handle it. Handle it. Say to them, I think I probably offended you or just hurt you, didn't I? Yeah, kind of. Well, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Handle it. Don't walk away like you think. Well, it's their fault for, for, for being hurt. Oh, God, help us. That's what we do. That's what we do. It's their fault for getting hurt. Their fault for being so sensitive. I didn't even say anything. I didn't even do it this way. If your brother or sister are hurt because of something you said or did, just make it right. It doesn't matter that they shouldn't be. You don't. You don't know their circumstances, their history. You don't know where they've been. You don't know what happened to them. And so you can't dictate what should hurt them and what shouldn't hurt them. Just know if you hurt them, make it right. Reason number one for this class. Reason number two, when someone offends you, you will know how to take care of it. Let me remind you. Listen to this. Got two things to say here and I'm done. The Bible is not written to tell everyone else what their responsibility is to me. Let me say that again. The Bible is not written to tell everyone else what their responsibility is to me. But it is written to tell me what my responsibility is to everyone. You get that? So a lot of times, we always worry about, yes, so-and-so should be doing this. Yes, so-and-so should be doing that. So we're always trying to think in our mind what others should be doing when we hear the Word of God. We're thinking about what someone else. The Word of God, you should always hear it for you, not for someone else. So the Bible is not written to tell everyone else what their responsibility is to me but it is written to tell me what my responsibility is to everyone else the bible doesn't tell me what everyone else should do but it does tell me what i should do that's the two biggest things you need to take from the bible so when you read it You understand that. Remember I told you before. You have marital problems. The Lord will never tell you about your spouse. (laughs) That's that's why probably a lot of people get divorced. Get frustrated. Because they're struggling in their marriage. And they weren't 
clear in their understanding of what the word of God says. So they go and pray, God, show me what's wrong with her. God, show me what she need to do. God, you see how she's doing. And God is like, until you start talking to me about you, I have nothing to say to you. Has nothing to say to you because you got to look, look at how God sees it. We're his children. He is the one that does the disciplining. Right? If you have children, you know, you don't, but mom, he, I don't want to hear about he, what he did. Look at y'all. Isn't that what y'all, if you have multiple children, when you discipline one, are you going to do both of them? Well, however it go, you're, 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 you're come on, I'm going to spank you. But he did this. I don't want to hear about what he did. I know what you did, so I'm going to beat you for what you did. Don't we do that? Okay. Don't go to God and ask God of nothing about nobody else. He will never tell you. Don't even try. Don't work. You got to go to God and say, God. Marriage ain't working good. What can I do to make it better? <laughs> Marriage ain't going good, God. And, and what's my flaw that I need to correct? Marriage ain't going good, God. I need you to show me how to be a better husband or a better wife. That's the only way you will hear from him when you go to complain about someone else. He will not tell you anything about the next person. But if you go and ask him about you, He'll respond. So now you see why you wasn't getting any answers before because you was approaching it the wrong way. I don't care how terrible they are. He just don't tell you about the next person. It's not the way he does. They can be terrible and he won't tell you they're terrible. Yeah, you're right, son. You're right, daughter. They're terrible and they're not doing you right. You won't hear that from God. If you heard that, that wasn't from God. If you go to your spouse and say, yeah, I heard from the Lord, and he, you're lying, and you're going to fry. Because God don't tell you nothing negative about your spouse. You got to go to God yourself and get God to straighten you out. It's the way it works. That's lesson number one on biblical forgiveness. Any questions? Anyone have any questions about anything that you have heard here tonight before you go home? Yes, sir. Okay, so before you even get to that point, if you know that you need to go to someone and ask for forgiveness, spend some time praying and fasting about the situation. Don't just go cold because it's right. Just don't go because it's right. Pray, Lord, I know I've offended Bob and I know I spoke to him wrong. I know I did wrong against him and I'm going to him to ask for forgiveness, Lord. Will you touch his heart, Lord God, that he will see that I'm sincere? 
will you, Lord God, just in whatever way you can make him know that I'm really sincere and I'm really sorry for what I've done when I go to him? Can you allow him to see the godliness that will come out of me as I speak to him, Lord? And Lord, will you allow me to communicate to him in love and tenderness so, Lord, my, me and my brother can get back together, me and my wife can get back together, me and my children can
gifts to Oliver, and be remembered that thy brother has fought against thee. Verse 24 says, Leave here thy gifts to Fort Oliver, and go thy way first to be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gifts to God. So even if you think that, okay, you're okay, you still need to, I mean, somebody offends you. You have to go to that brother and make it right. You have to try your best to make it right because your gifts and your offering, your sacrifice that you're coming to offer unto God won't be okay. Absolutely. 100%. Any anyone else? Yes, why, listen, I'm going to embarrass her real quick. Um, Crystal um, has, she, she's been in transition for a while to become a part of Christ Center Church and she is Today is the official first day as a member of Christ Center Church. Bible study night. So, her and Isaiah get ready to get married, and we had talked about it for a while that um, they were going to. He was going to church in Pennsylvania.
because remember what we said. If they don't accept it, when they pray to God, God doesn't accept it. Right? And so if God is not going to hear their prayers because they won't accept what I'm trying to give out to them, then they can never be saved because, as you know, we all have sinned and we all need forgiveness. So when you go to God and ask God for forgiveness and you're holding something against someone, you don't forgive you, which means your sins are still on you. So it, it, it's in our best interest and for that person's best interest to go back as much as we can. But those two things, praying for them and um, practical, you know, small conversation and getting to it. The second question was? Yes, that's a good question. That's a good question. And I think forgiveness makes you, it's almost like the relationship becomes brand new. Right? What God says, I remember no more. It, it gives you a clean slate. So it's almost like something becomes brand new when you know it's real. If it doesn't feel like it's brand new, and I'm not talking about with them, I'm talking about with you now. Because I can say that. I've had people that I feel like did me wrong. I've had people that I felt like I did wrong. And when I go and I said, please forgive me, I, I, I went back to how we used to be. Sometimes it doesn't work out because, you know, distance can separate you or whatever the case may be. Life changes might separate you because you're doing something different for me now. But whenever I communicate with you, I don't communicate with you like I'm walking on eggshells, right? I communicate with you as I used to because that thing that was between us is gone. And so now I'm communicating to you like I always did. And I'm, and I'm comfortable with it. I'm not like, uh, I'm comfortable with it. That's a good point. 
That's a really good point. It's a really good point that um, you go to make it right, but you're still wounded. Okay, good point. You go to make it right, you're still wounded, but again, um, you have to know that though. Um, you, you, you have to know that. You know, Jesus, 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 you know, showed the scars. You know, so the healing has to take place. Right? The healing has to take place. But the bottom line is, you have to know but, but part of the, the, the discussion is, I gotta be able to say, listen, um, I know I might, I may have heard you deeply, and it might take some time for you to really, you know, uh, be okay with what I've done. I'm patient, I'm okay with it, but I just want you to know, please forgive me. I know I, 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 I hurt you, please forgive me. And I believe that you give them the, 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 the out to, to, to behave, you know, in a way where they know I'm still wounded. I understand that you've been you still wounded, you know. Um, we can deal with that, but we, we still, at the end of the day, they still need to go before the Lord to get healed because that's the only way you get healed. That's the only way you get healed. Yes. Yes. The, the scripture tells us in the back down, verse thirteen, though my children may learn that you should take the hands of the Lord. So if we go back to the life of Joseph. Right on the spot at that moment, maybe they're working. 
that do exist? It could be a situation where I would go to them and they would say, me too. And maybe it could be instantaneously for both of us because we both just, you know, our relationship in God. And, and that, Joseph's brothers, as we had preached about a couple weeks ago, Joseph's brothers kind of got carnal after they did what they did to Joseph. They, 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 the scripture says, you never heard them talk about God, the word of God after, after they sold Joseph into slavery. They kind of got carnal after that because now they got to keep a line going. It was bad. So they got carnal. So Joseph had got spiritual. Because remember now, he interacted with God. He interpreted his dreams. So he was on the right track. So that's why it was easy for him to go and forgive. But they weren't on the right track. So when you go to someone, again, why it's important that you got to go, go to them. And if you have to keep going back, you have to keep going back. Because if they're not right with God, when you go with them, when you go to them to talk to them about it, they have a little hard time receiving it. They might say, okay, but they probably didn't receive it the way they need to receive it. Right? And so that's something that they might have to work at. But how we handle it will help them quickly get through. But the Joseph story is a really good one for what Sister Amanda just talked about, which is you can go to someone, you might be okay, and you can go to someone and, and, and say, please forgive me, and to, you know, if your heart was right, you know, if you, your heart was pure, or you say, I forgive you, or whatever the case may be, and you was okay, but they kind of wasn't ready for it. Father, we love you. We're so grateful and thankful for this opportunity. 